All right, Sons of Saturday Hoops Pod. My name is Mike McDaniel, joined by Ed Williams. Ed, it's been a couple weeks. Um, I feel like you and I have played almost as many games as Virginia Tech has since we last spoke because we pretty much have. Um, this hasn't been the greatest month in Virginia Tech's basketball history, and it has nothing to do with wins or losses, just the environment we're living in at this point. Um, it hasn't been good, but how you doing, Ed? How's it going? Yeah, I feel like every time we conclude a podcast, we say, oh, we'll bring another one to you guys, you know, three or four days from now, and then we don't even play for three or four weeks. So right. it's been hard to get in a rhythm content-wise. But, I mean, I'm doing all right. It's it's super frustrating. I feel bad for the team and the coaches and, you know, everyone around the program. They're pretty much uh, in the same position that the football team was preseason. Um, so obviously not a very ideal time for this to be happening, you know, as you close out a season, get ready for postseason play and tournament play. But, um, you know, Mike Young's got a challenge uh, in front of him to keep these guys engaged and locked and loaded and ready to go whenever they do get back on the floor. Yeah. I think we talked after the Miami win last time we spoke and, you know, we were hoping that we would be able to come back and recap uh, the Florida state game, which then got postponed. And then we were going to talk about the Louisville game, which also got postponed. Then North Carolina got postponed as well. Tech had um, a contact tracing situation within the program that put them on pause for uh, 17 days. Um, and then Virginia Tech came back uh, against Georgia Tech about a week and a half ago and lost by 16. Uh, the Hokies looked like a team that had not played basketball in 17 days. It really showed when they were out there on the floor. Uh, just a struggle to find any sort of rhythm offensively was my biggest takeaway from the game. And defensively, Basically just had a ton of trouble stopping Moses Wright. He was 9 of 11 from the floor, 7 of 11 from the free throw line, had 10 rebounds. Really, really good game by him. It just seemed like Aluma and Mutz in particular just had a lot of trouble slowing him down. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, what you'd expect from a team who hasn't played in a long time. They look kind of tired. Um, the Hokies got kind of pushed around a little bit inside by, you know, Moses Wright and others. Uh, physicality just wasn't where you'd expect it to be or where it needs to be to, you know, beat a team like that. Um, you know, when you haven't played live action, anything really, I mean, not just basketball, but any sport in a significant chunk of time and you come in, you play a team who's been engaged, been playing, been winning games, it's going to be tough. And, um, you know, the Hokies hung around for a little while, but really never felt like they were in that one. And then eventually Georgia Tech just put, pulled away from them. Uh, Moses Wright's a really good player and that Georgia Tech team is, firing on all cylinders right now as they look to probably at this point be in the NCAA tournament. So um, not a terrible loss, all things considered, but it was definitely unfortunate that, you know, after 17 days off, you come out and kind of look like that and lay an egg almost. Um, you know, there were, you know, rumors that some of the guys had gotten out of, you know, quarantine that morning and jumped right on the floor. I don't know how true that is or not, but I mean, that's not an easy situation to be in in the ACC, even in a down year in the ACC. So um, not a whole lot to read into in that game. Um, I was ready to turn the page as quick as possible, and it looked like so were the coaches and players. So, Mike Young mentioned in the post-game press conference that, you know, they had a lot of guys just kind of cooped up in hotel rooms um, as part of their quarantine measures, trying to keep guys away from others who were not in quarantine um, and not contact traced. So whether or not they were released that morning of the game is kind of unknown, but at the very least we know that they hadn't really practiced much. 
Um, it, it's it's interesting though, um, Ed, because I thought Virginia Tech actually, you know, with about ten or twelve minutes left, Tech went on a little bit of a run. And it's like, all right, if they can get it to you know ten at the under twelve timeout, if they can get to eight, I was thinking, all right, maybe they have a shot here. You know, Tech only scored twenty four points in the first half, only twenty nine points in the second half, which you know, wasn't ideal, but I thought offensively in the second half, you could tell that the Hokies were playing much more in rhythm. The, the one guy I want to highlight real quick, Tyrese Radford. So he returned to the lineup after missing about a month uh, due to uh, his criminal situation. Um, that's now been resolved. He was four of six from the floor, 11 points, three rebounds, two assists. I thought overall, he looked like a guy that really wanted to be out there. I thought he was probably the most ready to play. Uh, out of all the guys, I mean, Kevin Aluma had an okay stat line. He was 12 of 14, or I'm sorry, 12 points, 14 rebounds. He was five of 15 from the floor. So shooting wise, it wasn't his best effort, but the the counting stats look okay. But I thought Tyrese Radford was kind of coming out with a man with his hair on fire, which I think you would expect after a long layoff. So it was good to see him back on the floor. Yeah. I mean, I was happy for him. He played 36 minutes. So um, Mike Young really threw him straight into the fire there. Yeah. Uh, you know, started him just kind of, you know, business as usual in terms of the rotation in the lineup. It was also nice, you know, Cordell Pemsel only played four minutes, but he was on the floor. Yeah. Um, more on him in the next game. But yeah, I mean, it was nice to see Tyrese out there. They, I didn't think they played all that poorly. I just thought that they were a step or two or three slow, which you'd expect after such a long layoffs. And as a result, Georgia Tech was able to just wear him down and pull away in the end. Um, Execution wise, it wasn't too bad. I mean, they the the guards struggled heavily. Um, Hunter Couture struggled, Himalayan struggled a lot, and then even Justin Mutz struggled. They all were just turned the ball over. Sixteen turnovers. I mean, that's just terrible. But way too many. I thought it was more of a not as much what Georgia Tech was doing. It was more of what we hadn't done in two weeks, um, and they were just a step or two behind everything. And you know, that's the result you'll get against a good team. Yeah, Mike Young in the post game said that win, lose, or draw, he just needed his team to get back on the floor. I mean, he knew it was going to be a tough game just because they hadn't really been practicing. They had guys out of shape. Um, they weren't in rhythm, obviously, not in game rhythm. Uh, and he mentioned that the Hokies would play a lot better that coming Saturday against Wake Forest. And boy, did they. 84 to 46 final. Virginia Tech beat Wake Forest, largest ACC win in program history. Keve Aluma, 23 points, eight rebounds on nine of 11 shooting. Tyrese Radford, 15 points, six rebounds on five of seven shooting. Naheem Aline had 13 points. The bench was really good. Uh, David Gusan, eight points, five rebounds. Uh, Cordell Pemsel had four points in nine minutes. He didn't play a ton, but again, back out on the floor. Joe Bamisil off the bench had seven points in 15 minutes of playing time. So the bench contributed, the starters contributed. It was a smooth sailing victory. The Hokies led by 27 at halftime. The defense was really good. Wake shot it particularly poorly, um, even outside of Virginia Tech's defense being good. Um, Georgia, or, uh, Wake Forest was just missing open shots. Um, they finished 15 of 55 from the floor. That's 27.3%. They were 10 of 32 from three, which actually is not terrible, but it just wasn't a great game. Uh, for Wake Forest, they had 18 turnovers. The Hokies got out and running early and never looked back. I thought this was the most complete team victory of the year for Virginia Tech, albeit against a lesser opponent in Wake Forest. But coming off of that Georgia Tech win, this is exactly what you wanted to see after a long layoff. Yeah, no, that was fun to watch. I mean, it was never in doubt. That was kind of a 
good old fashioned butt whooping, as Mike Young would probably say. But um, Kevin Aluma was great as expected. Mutz was good. Um, Naheem was good. I mean, everyone was good. They shot 54% from three, um, including, I believe, yeah, two of two from Tyrese Radford, which is just not his game at all. But hey, we'll take it. Um, and then Joe Bamasil was kind of a nice little spark plug off the bench. That dunk at the end of the half where he took off from the ACC logo was pretty sweet. It was a great outlet pass from Justin Mutz. Um, top to bottom, there was really nothing that Wake Forest could do to stop the Hokies. And, you know, we played really, really good defense. Um, you know, you force 18 turnovers. Uh, you're probably going to win the game, yeah. especially when you only turn the ball over nine times yourself. Um, played a lot of guys, got some guys some good minutes. Um, you know, Wake Forest played 12 guys just trying to find somebody who could hit a shot. And it just wasn't going to happen for them that day. Um, their freshman point guard, Carter Witt, had a tough one, you know, five turnovers. Anytime you're a freshman jumping in against Wabisa BD, good luck. Yeah. Um, Should have been a Hokie, I guess. And then, you know, I, I did feel really bad. It's kind of a bummer to see Isaiah Wilkins only play a minute for Wake Forest. Um, I don't really get that. I, I always thought Isaiah Wilkins was a good player um, who can help your team in a lot of different ways. So it was, it was kind of a bummer to only see him play a little bit for Wake Forest, especially in the game where they just never had a shot. Yeah. Um, but from a Hokies perspective, it's, it's kind of like the last one. There's not a whole lot to say. Um, I tweeted at the end of the game. Did Virginia Tech cover? Like, there was just no – there's nothing to say about this game. Like, you, you, it wasn't even close. Like, if your big man hits 5 of 5 from 3, you're – like, it's just – I don't know. It kind of felt like the opposite end of the Penn State game early in the yeah. year. We couldn't do anything, and they were just hitting everything. We kind of flipped it on its head against Wake, and there was no shot for them to even be close in that game. We're going to have to hold on to that victory now for a while, Ed, because the Louisville game that was originally postponed a couple of weeks ago got canceled. The NC State game that was supposed to be the season finale for the Hokies on the road also got canceled. Uh, Virginia Tech is once again in contact tracing, and the Hokies are locked into a top four seed in the ACC tournament. And I'll let you lay out kind of the scenarios here for that in a minute. But, Ed, by the time the Hokies take the floor in the ACC tournament next Thursday, it will be only their third game in 32 days. How big of a deal is that? I think it's a huge deal. I've been harping on it all year on this podcast in particular that it's a huge deal. Um, basketball is a rhythm game, especially the way Virginia Tech plays. And every time we've lost this year, it's been coming off of a layoff. Um, I think it's a really big deal that we haven't been able to play games. And I was talking about this yesterday on Twitter with locks of Saturday uh, members, Robert Irby and Sam Jesse and, and, Sam and Robert were really worried about, oh, if we got if we lose in our first game in the ACC tournament, we'll fall down, you know, on the seeding line for NCAA. And my thought is kind of similar to what Mike Young's was uh, after the Georgia Tech game. They just seem to play a game. Um, I don't care. How, I don't really care how they look in the ACC tournament. Um, as long as they get on the floor between now and the NCAA tournament at least one time, I think that's yeah. really, really important. Because if we somehow aren't able to play at all in the ACC tournament, that doesn't bode well for the Hokies in the NCAA tournament, regardless of seeding. Well, and I and I think even if the Hokies just play one game in the ACC tournament, I'm not sure how well it bodes for Tech. Because then you're looking at a situation where Tech won't play another game for a week, right? And then your opening round game in the NCAA tournament will be only your fourth game in 39 days. So, like, how much better is that? I 
I tend to agree with you. I mean, this team needs to get out and play basketball in this ACC tournament. I don't know what the health situation is. I'm hoping everybody's healthy enough to play because it'll be about um, 10 days since their last game. I guess maybe even a little bit more than that. You know, they, they will hopefully have enough guys who are cleared to at least get out on the floor and get in some sort of rhythm. This is a really, really bad time of year for the Hokies to be going through this. Um, I get every team has dealt with it this year, but the timing of this in particular is really, really poor. Um, we talked about in a couple other podcasts, and Mike Young has spoken about it a ton this year, how fortunate the Hokies had been really up until the last month the fact that they've been able to keep guys healthy and keep guys on the floor, because again, it's a virus. I mean, it's going to spread. It, it is what it is. There's not a ton you can do about outside of just like basic distancing measures, but these guys are college kids, you know, they're doing what they can. Um, and every team has dealt with it. But the fact that Virginia tech is one of the last teams in the ACC this year to really deal with it to this degree, the timing could have been a little bit better, I would say, because now tech is in this situation where you're going into the ACC tournament without playing basically in a couple of weeks. Um, you're now going essentially for your third game in 32 days. You already had one 17 day pause. You're going to have basically a 10 plus day pause after that, um, after playing a couple games. And I just don't know how this bodes for Virginia tech, even in the ACC tournament, Ed, I mean, there, there are a few teams in particular that Virginia tech is very likely to play if they are a three or a four seed in the ACC tournament. I'm not particularly enthralled by any of these matchups um, after a long layoff, but I want to see what you think. Um, so run down those teams that Virginia Tech is most likely to see because seeding's not finalized. Tech will most likely be a three or four seed in the ACC tournament, it's looking like. Um, but we're not particularly certain about that yet because Louisville still has a game to play against UVA this weekend. But Ed, what's what's the scenario looking like from a seeding standpoint? Who is Virginia Tech most likely to play next Thursday uh, in the second round of the ACC tournament. Yeah. So, I mean, it depends on how everything falls, right? So assuming things kind of go chalk and Virginia handles Louisville and we end up in the three spot, we'll probably be playing um, either Clemson or North Carolina, which we've beaten Clemson, but it's been a long time since then. And we haven't played North Carolina. I don't believe. Yeah, no. Um, almost did. <laughs> yeah, almost. It was one of the, you know, chopping block games. So, you know, we're going to play a combination of assuming, you know, those teams handle their business against the lower seeded team that they play in the second round of the tournament. Um, those are the two most likely probably scenarios. There's also a chance that we play maybe Syracuse or Georgia Tech. It kind of just depends where everything falls. Um, I'm not. So my thought on Virginia Tech and the ACC tournament is and the ACC in general is we are as good as the other teams in this conference. Um, we can beat any of them any given day, in my opinion. Florida State is probably a half step or a step ahead of Virginia Tech and Virginia as the best team in the conference. But that being said, I think we can beat anybody any given day. So I'm not particularly worried about, you know, any of those matchups. Um, you know, we lose, we lose. We go to the NCAA tournament. We haven't played in however long. It's not the end of the world. But none of those teams scare me too much. Like, again, we just lost to Georgia Tech by double digits, so it's easy to say, oh, we don't want to play them again. But, like, if we play Wake Forest first and then Georgia Tech, like, if we flip those games, the order, are the results different? Yeah, I think so. Um, so I'm not super concerned about, you know, who we play. Um, I just want to play. And it'd be great, like you said, to, you know, 
whoever we do play in that first game win and then play another game regardless of outcome just to have more time on the floor. Um, but then, you know, who knows, man? We could win the whole ACC tournament and then get contact traced the day before the NCAA, and it doesn't need it's all for not, right? Right. I mean, at this point, I'm kind of viewing any game as we get, we get as a bonus because um, you can see how you see, we've seen how fast it can, you know, spiral out of control. So, yeah, Clemson, North Carolina, probably the likely opponents with a potential for maybe Syracuse or Georgia Tech. Um, but we'll see. I mean, a lot can change. Clemson or Louisville could jump up and beat UVA, then all of a sudden we're – you know, on the four line, I mean, three, four, does it really matter? Not really. Um, so I'm not yep. super worried about the matchups. I just want to play at least one, maybe two games in the ACC tournament and then, you know, turn our attention onto the NCAA. Yeah, I guess why, and I think that's a good point, an important delineation I probably should, should have talked about before I teed you up there. It's not the teams that scare me as much as the fact that every matchup, I believe, like from here on out is going to be difficult for, for Virginia Tech just because of the layoff, right? I mean, we saw what happened with Georgia Tech a couple of weeks ago when Tech's coming off a long layoff. I feel like any matchup really is going to be difficult. Now, I'd rather see like Wake Forest or uh, Notre Dame or a team like that rather than, oh, let's not play in a couple of weeks and let's go face Syracuse's zone or let's go face Moses Wright. Or let's go, you know what I mean? But I can't, we're, I think we're getting to the point too, where like by the time we play, a lot of those teams are going to weed themselves out already in the first two rounds of the ACC tournament, right? Like, It's almost like we're, you know, we did ourselves a disservice by being so good that we got a double bye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the first round, we automatically are playing a borderline tournament or tournament team. Agree. But I think Tech fans have to remember that it's been so long, so it's hard to remember, but how good this team is. Yeah. Before go against AP ranked teams. Yeah. Uh, we're a really good basketball team. It's just hard to remember a time because it's been so long. Right. But anyone that we play, we can and should probably beat, regardless of layoff. I mean, as long as the guys are not, you know, stuck in hotel rooms, which I'm not really sure what's going on behind the scenes. I have no idea. I know it's contact tracing. I don't really know what that means compared to, you know, protocol wise, contact tracing is different than positive tests. I have no idea, but like I said, it's been a while, but let's try to remember back to how good this team really is. We're 15 and five and four and zero against ranked teams. Yeah. Damn good. Like yeah, way ahead of schedule. Yeah. Like it's just, we're a really good team. So let's just keep that in mind moving forward. Yeah. And I think the, the one thing too, that you mentioned, it's like, we almost do ourselves a disservice, um, you know, being so good that we get to skip, you know, we get double by in the ACC tournament. Like I'd much rather be in this situation, obviously where we have a double buy and we haven't played in a while versus like having to play next Tuesday, for example, and like fighting for our tournament lives uh, to, to try to get into March madness um, because we weren't very good all year, which is look, I mean, we were, and we were picked in the preseason as the 11th best team in the ACC. We are definitively a top three team in this conference. Um, yeah. And this is like you mentioned, Ed, like anything on top here is gravy, right? Like this was not supposed to be a year where we were talking about a couple of weeks ago when tech was playing like in rhythm and not have not on COVID pause. This was a team we're talking about like potentially being a sweet 16 team and we could still absolutely be there um, depending on, you know, what the draw looks like. Do I think this team is as good as the 2019 team? No. Do I think next year's team could be that good? I do. 
Like we got some, we got some good players coming in, Ed, we got some freshmen. They're going to be ready to take the next step. Um, this is going to be a very good team next year too. Um, so the fact that tech is in a situation where they're going to be a top four seed in the ACC tournament um, and have an opportunity to play after a double buy, I think, you know, even though it's coming off of a COVID layoff, I think it's a great spot to be in, in year two under Mike Young. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've tried to keep myself when thinking about this team and you know, what the way the season's gone and where we're heading in a 2018 mindset, more than a 2019 mindset. Um, you know, you win one in the tournament. That's great. Um, we are ahead of schedule. This isn't 2019 where we were quite frankly, a national title contender. Um, we were tipping away from an elite eight. And in my opinion, if we go to that elite eight, we probably are in the final four. Cause I think we beat that Cassius Winston, Michigan state team. Yep. But anyway, like, yeah, we're ahead of schedule. Let's keep that in mind. Um, I said top eight in the ACC would be the great finish this year. They've completely exceeded that expectation. Um, so yeah, this program's in a really, really good spot. And, you know, who knows, maybe they get a decent draw in the ACC tournament, win a game, win another game. And, you know, they've played two games now leading into an NCAA tournament and potentially getting a good seed. It, it's all kind of up in the air. Um, I just hope that they get to play these games. That's, yeah. that's really my only hope is that they Agreed. get at least a chance to be on the floor um, in the NCAA tournament for guys like Beattie, you know, maybe on the way out, get him another shot at the tournament. And then for the young guys, it's a, it's a stepping stone. Like 2017 and 2018, those teams under buzz, they got their feet wet in the tournament. And then in 2019, they made their run. And it's a stepping stone for all these young guys who haven't been there before. So yeah, I hope they get their shot to do it. There are a lot of idiots out there who can't wait for BD to graduate and be gone. I would love to have him back next year. I would yeah, love to have him back. If you think to leave, you're insane. Yeah. Like, if you think we'd be better off without him, just just stay off of Twitter. Stop watching the team. You have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. This team is so much better with Wabi Sabidi, and yep. it would kind of stink if he decided not to play. I would totally get it. Um, you know, college sports are a grind, and he's been doing it for a while. Yeah. Um, but if he comes back next year – I think that raises the potential ceiling of that team as well. Yeah. Can win this now, conference. We're getting way ahead of ourselves, but yeah. 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 He's the man. That's my point. Yeah. I, he's an easy guy to punch, to punch down when tech's down by like 17 and nobody's playing well. It's would be Sabidi's fault. Um, but he's a big reason for all the success too. And um, tech will be a legitimate ACC title contender next year with Wabisabidi, and I think they're still probably a top four or five team without him, but you'd rather have him um, just defensively alone. He's, the best perimeter defender in the conference real quick head. Let's talk about potential NCAA tournament, like seating. Um, I know there's, you know, Lunardi's bracketology and, you know, there are a few other sites who do something similar. Um, it's looking like anywhere between like a six or like a seven seed. Maybe I, I tend to think this is probably a team that, especially with this COVID pause, it's likely going to be a seven or an eight seed in my opinion. Um, let's talk about the potential scenarios that, you have there um, that you've pulled up and let's talk about those. And then real quick, let's talk about the types of teams that could give Virginia tech trouble, not necessarily like naming teams. We can do that too, if you want to, but let's talk about the type of team that can give Virginia tech trouble in the tournament, because I think there are a couple different styles of play that could really, really hurt Virginia tech, especially after a layoff. Yeah. So I pulled up four um, bracketologies, I guess, um, you know, there's the ESPN one that Lenardi does and then CBS. And then um, the one that that's, you know, the NCAA one is Andy Katz. And then the USA Today were the four that I pulled up before this, but there's obviously thousands of them out there. Um, 
Yeah, six and seven seeds are kind of the consensus. Uh, Lenardi has this as a six against VCU. Mm. CBS has as a six against either the winner, the winner of VCU and Michigan State in a play-in. Um, Andy Katz had us as a seven against UConn. And then USA Today had us as a seven against Wichita State. So um, quite frankly, I'd rather have those seven seed matchups. Um, you know, UConn and Wichita State, I'd rather play than VCU or Michigan State. Yep. Uh, like you said, when we were talking about this before we hit record, I do not want to play Tom Mizzo in March. Um, just, just not in the business of trying to challenge that guy. He's a pretty amazing coach and, you know, in my opinion, somewhat underrated nationally, even yep. all the praise he does get. Um, so yeah, the six and seven line is kind of where I think, you know, the experts have us falling. Um, obviously that's dependent on our ACC tournament play as well. I would, I would really, really, really like to avoid the eight, nine line. Yeah. Um, those games are a crapshoot as we've seen, you know, in 17 against Wisconsin and 18 against um, Colin Sexton in Alabama. It was eight, nine games and not fun. Um, and then all of a sudden you're playing, you know, that pool of eight, nine teams are, are a legitimate power five, you know, at large bid type teams like Maryland and, um, you know, others like that who, you know, a lot of teams like that, they're going to fall on that line, been playing really good at the right time. So I would love to avoid the eight, nine line if we can. Um, obviously you know out of our hands out of our control but right six seven line is where you know the experts have us and you know in terms of matchups like play style wise i completely agree with what you were saying and i'll let you elaborate on it more because it was your point but uh teams that play up tempo up and down the floor fast-paced game are kind of what's given virginia tech fits and i would love to avoid as many of those type of teams as possible we do really well in you know a middle tier paced game, half court sets, things of that nature. Um, so I would love to avoid any type of team that's running and gunning up and down the floor. That's what I'm worried about. Um, Virginia Tech, you know, when Tech struggled this year, it's been against teams who have pushed the tempo. Uh, the Penn State game, I mean, they got up and down the floor. They hit a bunch of threes. Tech turned the ball over a million times. Like that was that was the issue, right? And Virginia Tech likes to play at their pace, right? Every team likes to control the pace in college basketball. Virginia Tech is no different. But I find that Virginia Tech, you know, when they're moving a little bit faster than they want to, they turn the ball over a little bit more than expected. They have a rough time, especially in games where they're trying to go punch for punch with teams. Virginia Tech's a good offensive team. They're not an elite offensive team, which is why limiting turnovers has been so important all year. Um, And it's something that Mike Young has harped on not only at Virginia Tech, but even with his Wofford teams, it's like, you know, we're going to be outmanned in some of these games. He's got more talent at Virginia Tech than he had at Wofford. He had some good Wofford teams. Um, obviously, talent level's a bit better here at Virginia Tech, but he knows that he's going to be outmanned in some of these games, and he knows how important those possessions are. Um, teams that get up and down the floor and like to create an up-tempo style of play, which are a lot of the teams you just mentioned, Wichita State's one of them, VCU. I mean, it's not the shock of smart VCU team, but it's, it's very similar. They like to get up and down the floor. Like those types of teams concern me. I don't want to play Michigan state in March. I don't want to play Tom Izzo like that. I, I say what you want about Michigan state this year, and they've been playing better basketball over the last month or so say what you want about the Spartans. I don't want to play Tom Izzo in March and you shouldn't want to either. That's insane to wish for that to happen. I don't care what kind of team they have. You don't want to play Tom Izzo in March. You'll have a bad time. Um, and do I think Virginia Tech's better than Michigan State? I absolutely do. 
But when you have a coach that experience who can have his guys ready to play, knows the flaws of his team and knows how to exploit the flaws of the teams that he faces, it's a matchup game in March. The top coaches, like, like it's a very, like college basketball is very like talent filled sport, right? And basketball in general is one that, you know, where you rely on your top players. And that's obviously the case in college basketball and it's magnified, but in March, the really, really good coaches separate themselves. And Tom Izzo is one of those guys I absolutely do not want to play. Obviously, I don't want to face teams that are much bigger than we are. Um, Virginia Tech, I think the front court this year matches up better than a lot of Buzz's teams, obviously, because Buzz liked to play a bunch of midgets, which is fine. Uh, he had a lot of talented teams. It was just a different way of playing. But I don't want to face a team of a bunch of giants, which is why I think Florida state is obviously a tough matchup for Virginia tech. They're big every year. They, they have big guys all across the floor, big guards, a huge front court. Like Virginia tech is better positioned to match up against some of those teams than they have in the past, but I still don't want to play that type of opponent. Um, you talked about Iowa, Ed, like if Virginia tech were to ever face like Iowa, right? Like a sweet 16, they'd have to go up against Luca Garza. Luca Garza would be a matchup nightmare but they don't have a bunch of shooters right outside of him. Like if Virginia yeah, Tech, Bohannon and Wieskamp can shoot. Right. But if, if tech was able to slow down Garza and you get a bad shooting game out of either Wieskamp or Bohannon, then I was very beatable. And we've seen that in the big 10 this year. They're a very good team, but they are absolutely beatable. Like Virginia tech, I feel like would still struggle in that type of game. Right. And that, that's what kind of concerns me. I don't want to go up against a massive team. You're going to face one. Right. It's going to happen, but ideally not in the first two rounds. Yeah. And I'm sitting here staring at a bracket, getting way ahead of myself. And I know I'm doing it. And you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. But back to my, you know, eight, nine seed point, the Lenardi's eight, nine seeds that he has right now are Clemson, Maryland, Florida, Yukon, Oregon, Louisiana State, and Loyola, Chicago, and UCLA. Can we beat all of them? Yeah. Are they harder matchups than, you know, the 11s and the 10s? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to play Clemson. They're huge. Maryland doesn't have a guard and doesn't have a big. They just have a bunch of 6'6 six, six wings. Like, yeah, that's kind of a tough matchup for us, like yeah. size-wise. Um, yeah. Florida and UConn, good programs. And obviously, like, you know, Oregon's a good program. Loyola Chicago's a good program. UCLA is a good program. So the importance of maybe staying in that six, seven line is really big. In my opinion, um, it's also really big because if you do win that first round matchup, you're not playing a one right after, right? You're playing either a two or three, um, which the two or three, like the difference between the ones this year and then the twos and the threes is more, I think there's bigger separation than there has been in years past. Um, you know, for instance, some of the, like the threes and the twos are, you know, West Virginia, Houston, uh, Florida State, Alabama, you know, good teams, really, really good teams. Villanova, who just lost their, you know, one of their best players. Yeah. Ohio State, who has been kind of underwhelming the last month. Um, so the, the ability to stay in that six, seven range is going to be really important for the Hokies. It's obviously tough to do, easier said than done. But if we can come out, play our brand of basketball, even at like an 80% clip. Um, I think we find ourselves in a game against a UNC or a Clemson late and potentially able to, you know, move on to the second round of the ACC tournament and get ourselves some more reps on the floor. Cause that's the most important thing right now. But like I said, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, you know, anything's a bonus right now. It was a bummer to see Colin Gillespie go down 
torn MCL, likely out for the year for Villanova. That was a bummer the other night. Um, you know, Tech beat a really good Villanova team earlier this year. Their ceiling is now, I, they're still very good. They'll be a tough team to play in the tournament, but I think any sort of like Final Four national championship type aspirations probably go out the window with his injury. I mean, that's a really significant loss for their team. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's a bummer, you know. Older kid, too. He's been around the block. Yeah. Senior or not. I mean, he got six years of that three with Juventus, but, you know, it sucks. Anytime you see a guy like that go down, you know. Also, last night, maybe the best player in all of college basketball right now got hurt. Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State. Hopefully, he's okay coming from his time. I guess it's just a rolled ankle, so it's not too bad. But, um, yeah, you got to wonder a guy like that if he's sitting there and he's like, maybe I should sit out and wait for the draft. Um, right. He's a special, special talent, and I really hope we get to watch him play in March. So, yeah, I mean, COVID and then obviously, you know, normal injury attrition all across college basketball, it's going to be a hectic month, man. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, Ed, we'll come back. I, I don't know when we're going to do this again because I'm trying to think of, you know, what this looks like maybe uh, – later next week after the Hokies have either won an ACC championship or been eliminated in the quarterfinals or what have you. Um, maybe we talk then, maybe we talk later on if some news breaks and we figure out, I, I don't know what the stats of Jalen Cohn is, by the way, we, we didn't touch on that at all. I let's talk about that real quick before we wrap. Cause I forgot to talk about that earlier. If he comes back, that's really important. <laughs> it's a really good guy to have off the bench. If he doesn't come back, Tech is going to be lacking some of that three-point scoring punch outside of Hunter Couture um, that I think they could really use in March. I don't know what the status of his injury actually is. I know Mike Young mentioned after the Georgia Tech game anyway that it's going to be a little bit longer than anticipated for the ankle. So I think the what my guess would be is the MRI came back and showed something that they weren't expecting um, that's going to hold him out for a period of time. I don't know if we're going to see him in the ACC tournament. I don't really know what to expect there, but that could end up playing – a pretty big factor into how far the Hokies go in the tournament because he provides that punch off the bench that the Hokies don't necessarily have without him. Yeah. I mean, so I got, I'll, you know, two points on this one, I would be pretty shocked if we saw Jalen play again this year. I know nothing. I'm not any sort of insider, just kind of, you know, reading the tea leaves. I, I feel like it was probably a bit more of a significant injury than we originally thought. Um, so I would be pretty surprised if Jalen plays again. I also don't think it lowers the ceiling of this team all that much. Um, and what I mean by that is I think this team is significantly better when they're playing inside out through Kevin Aluma and Justin Mutz and, you know, Tyrese Radford to a lesser extent. Um, and then allowing guys like Tor and Aline roomed on the outside to shoot. And obviously Cone's a big part of that. But a lot of Jalen Cohn's threes come off of set pieces, come off of pin downs and things like that, um, where it can kind of distract from the interior play. And I, I hope – I think when this team's playing their best, we're focused on the interior play, getting the ball inside and then, you know, working it back out if need be. Um, so I, I don't think it lowers the ceiling all that much in terms of postseason play. But, yeah, I mean, anytime you got a guy who can come off the bench and nail three threes and, and go back and sit down and grab a drink of water, it's a nice luxury to have. But yeah. um, I don't think it kills us too much. And like I said, I would be surprised if he plays again this year. And just like any game's a bonus, if he plays, it is a bonus. Yeah. The team is just that much better. All right, Ed, uh, where they find your stuff? We'll come back hopefully and 
we'll be able to recap some good things that happened in the ACC tournament. Just hoping Virginia Tech plays at this point, but where can they find yourself in the meantime? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, E underscore Williams24. Um, on that point, maybe we'll record, I don't know, right after Tech either wins or gets knocked out of the ACC right before Selection Sunday, and then maybe do like a quick, you know, bracketology thing after we figure out where they're playing. I don't know, yeah. something like that. But uh, I enjoy getting on here and talking basketball. So, Mike, where are you at on you know, the socials? Uh, at Mike McDaniel VT. Check out our stuff at sunsofsaturday.com. Like Ed said, we'll talk soon. See you.